Welcome to Soul Sessions with Creative Mind with Deborah Burnt Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado of Creative Mind. Join us each week for an inspiring conversation about personal development based on Jungian psychology, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Spend each week with us to explore deep topics in a practical way. Let's begin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Soul Sessions with Creative Mind and Deborah and Dr. Rob Maldonado. So today is a new series. We just finished a series yeah. on coaching, the psychologies of coaching, the different uh, models of personal growth, uh, different psychological models. And now we're moving into the spiritual models of yeah. coaching and um, spirituality in coaching and personal development. Yeah, we can think of it as uh, what are the different schools of thought in spirituality that have influenced coaching? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we know a lot of coaches uh, bring uh, spirituality into their work. So we want to examine some of those ideas that have been prevalent in uh, modern uh, coaching. Yes. Yeah. So today is about spiritual materialism. Uh, and it's really about how the ego hijacks <laughs> our spiritual life. And and it's so, um, like you said before we were talking about this topic, you said that like we don't even realize that the ego, what it's doing, it's so insidious that it, um, it, it tricks us and we think we're doing these spiritual things and mm. it's really the ego saying, kind of <laughs> de- misdirecting us in a way. And so... Uh, one of the this this idea of spiritual materialism was first brought to um, the public in in a broad way by Trungpa Rinpoche. Easy and, for you to say. And he was actually Pema Chodron's guru. Yeah. Um, he uh, founded Naropa University in Boulder and was a very um, interesting uh, person who kind of went off the rails a little bit. It is like he was uh, kind of like dabbled in. Sexuality. He wasn't the typical monk. Uh, there's definitely a lot of controversial. Con- yeah, that's what I was going to say. Controversial, but definitely a spiritual teacher. Yes. Uh, and I, I think his message was precisely that, that you, you have to deal with yourself as a, as a material being mm-hmm. and that you're, you're not going to be perfect and you're not going to automatically just because you have this higher knowledge be a perfect spiritual person that you're going to have to go through the mud in a sense yes and work it out and he was basically you know exploring and doing a lot of interesting things but very very powerful book uh he wrote on spiritual materialism and he came up with the term and many of you might have heard it called spiritual bypassing which is use the ego using spiritual Mm. Uh, I think the book, uh, the title of the book is "Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism," mm, mm. and and there he mentions spiritual, spiritual bypassing, bypassing. A lot of yeah. people talk about it. Mm. So let me read a quote from him: "No matter what the practice or teaching, ego loves to wait in ambush to appropriate spirituality for its own survival and gain." <laughs> I'm going to read that again. No matter what the practice or teaching, so this is any practice or teaching, the ego loves to wait in ambush to appropriate spirituality for its own survival and gain. What does that mean, Dr. Rob? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that means um, the ego is going to play out in what we learn and practice in our spiritual paths. Mm. And that if we're not careful, we're not aware of this uh, mechanism, that we're going to end up uh, creating the persona of a spiritual person, but not necessarily really applying the transformative elements of that spiritual practice and not really going through the transformation, mm. simply appearing to be doing the work i'm going to go to my meditation workshop or i'm going to meditate every day i'm going to visualize and and explore my dreams but the ego will use the even the most beautiful spiritual practices 
to for its own gain. So let's talk about the ego because a lot of people, you know, there's a, people use that term a lot. The ego is not bad and we don't want to get rid of the ego because it has good functions. Mm, absolutely. So one of the functions uh, that it does is it helps us with impulse control. <laughs> which means that we're not out there, you know, running naked and um, doing terrible things to to ourselves, to other people, and the kind of moral code and society. And so we we do need that. Uh, not that we're we're tempted, but I mean, if we didn't have that, we, we are tempted. We are tempted. <laughs> but if we didn't have that, we would be like children out, you know, mm. without any impulse control in the world. So it's almost like we, the ego helps us with that faculty when we're uh, growing up and mm. sitting in school and being nice and don't pull Susie's hair and don't spit at people or run around naked <laughs> as a little kid, you know, you start to, mm. to to know the rules of society. So it helps us with those. And then naturally we have impulses sexually and uh, emotionally. Uh, we want to exhibit anger or um, a lot of different emotions, sadness and tears. And we kind of, the ego helps us kind of manage that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we don't lose it. <laughs> yeah, another big function of uh, the ego is reality testing. Mm. Tell me about that. What is reality? <laughs> how are we testing it? Well, I mean, if you think about how people get locked up in the ins insane asylum, right? Mm. When they lock you up and throw away the key, it's essentially that you no longer have the ability to distinguish what's real or what's out there mm. and what what is coming from your own thoughts oh, okay right what we what you're imagining what your uh, delusions are about and that that situation of course is the extreme mm -hmm. but they it is uh, uh, let's say uh, a, uh, a spectrum that begins from when we are stressed out mm -hmm. we kind of lose a little bit of that reality testing ability right we start to project we start to think people are out to get me or or get uh, paranoid or yes. um, also um yeah the critical thinking goes out the window yeah. we uh, catastrophize mm -hmm. <laughs> about what, what's happening yeah in other words our thoughts then fill the world with that our own perceptions mm -hmm. and we think no it's it's coming from the world it's mm -hmm. not me mm -hmm. and that that function uh, the ego functions to kind of get us back to uh, you know, get a grip, man, mm -hmm. and it's okay. You're okay. You're you're safe. So we feel that when we lose our temper or we uh, things, you know, we're ruminating, and then the ego, that kind of noise and that narrative, it's trying to basically strategize your next step, and so that's mm -hmm. that reality testing. Like it's not so bad, and I don't know. Maybe we should, you know, we can do this or we can do that. So it's or like more like um, bringing us back. To groundedness so we're not out of yeah. out of uh flailing around <laughs> freaking out yeah um one of my professors used to say if you want to see personality disorders in action just come around uh, exam time yeah when people are under stress you start to see that kind of a faltering of the reality testing abilities well we see that too with uh what happened with the pandemic people started coming up with all these theories about it's you know this terrible like secret plan <laughs> to take mm -hmm. over the world and uh, and so the ego is um, is kind of taking over in that way. No, it's the contrary. So no, losing, no, the, so no, it's not operating. No, yeah, exactly. The ego is uh, losing its uh, grip on reality, mm. and therefore the let's say the the unconscious imagination starts projecting more. Mm. And you start to kind of see or, or experience that paranoia, mm -hmm. that that mm -hmm. fear, mm -hmm. but you think it's coming from the outside, not from your own yeah. mind. So the ego here is the good guy in that it's helping us keep it together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it, it's definitely a good function to have. So we have impulse control, reality testing, and then emotional regulation, meaning... Uh, the, the a good strong ego allows us to kind of assess the situation and determine what level of emotional response can I put forth here, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, without appearing so, to go over the top. 
So, for example, you're at work and your boss is a jerk. <laughs> we have all had them that uh, do something rude to us. The ego will keep a impulse control where we're not like hitting them or hurting them or, you know, losing our minds in, at work. We go, okay. No, uh, well, uh, emotional regulation would be more of how much emotion can I show in yeah, this situation? Yeah, so you get like maybe a little frustrated, but you're not like over the top. Yeah. Uh, what a, and then um, judgment? Yeah, definitely judgment. Uh, that right or wrong. Mm, splitting things in good or bad, right or wrong. Yes. Pleasant or unpleasant. Right. Now, now here we see the function of the ego that we need that. Mm-hmm. Obviously to get out along in the office or at school or any, any social situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need that judgment. Mm-hmm. So the ego is not bad. It's not about getting rid of the ego, but it's... Well, as we'll talk about later, yeah, it's understanding its nature, and and we'll we see that we need a pretty good strong ego to do spiritual work. Mm -hmm. But in spiritual materialism, those these elements become uh, work against us. Yeah, they say we we don't understand their nature and their function. Then these elements, these very elements that we need to survive then work against our spiritual path. So the survival instinct, it wraps itself around a spiritual practice. Are you looking for a satisfying career that has meaning and purpose? Are you seeking a path of growth and wish you could have it all in one program? Well, Creative Mind University has a Jungian Life Coach training program that does just that. You can start a new career as a certified life coach with a unique methodology based on Jungian psychology, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Get the tools to become your true self and make an amazing transformation in your life and the lives of others. Visit creativeminduniversity.com, click on apply, and speak with one of our team members today to discuss your future and possibilities of becoming a certified life coach. That's creativeminduniversity.com. So defense functions, defensive functions, uh, we know a lot of them. Um, do we want to talk about those yet, or do you want to skip uh, over? Let's go back to uh, object relations. Okay. So uh, that's another ego function. So object relations, it, it sounds weird because it, they use the word object, but really what they mean is relationships with other people. Because we see other people as objects, and we <laughs> see ourselves, our ego, as an object as well. It's an object. I'm, a, I'm an object in the world, and there's another object, uh, you know, interacting. We're interacting with other objects in the world, and mm-hmm. with money, and with uh, mm-hmm. other other um, material things in the world. Yeah, so the ego helps us kind of keep in our head the, the chess game that we're playing with mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. Like, where am I in relationship to what they said and my emotional reaction to to them last time we met and very social driven very much so it helps us navigate the social situations mm-hmm. very much like a like a chess game mm. that we have to keep in mind what was the last move that i made with this person in the, in relationship to each other so for example if someone uh like the hand on the fire when you're a kid you don't know it's hot until you actually touch it. Mm. And then you learn in your condition to say, I don't want to do that anymore. So we, we actually get conditioned with the objects of people in the world, people that have authority or people that, uh, for romantic relationships, we tend to project onto them the, that same pattern. The ego helps us navigate those. Mm-hmm. Um, thought processes, it helps us with our coming up with stories about the world and meaning. and. That's right. Um Problem solving, mm-hmm. meaning we can think through things. We can run the movie forward and backwards. Like, what would happen if I do this? Mm. We run it through in our head, and mm. we, we say, oh, I don't want those consequences. Yeah. I'm not willing to risk the, those results. And so it helps us make those choices. So there again, ego function, really important. What's synthesis? So synthesis means it puts it all together for us. Mm. So if you notice, your 
when you experience your everyday life, you don't experience it as a fragmented piece, like this piece over here and this piece over there. You experience it as a whole. Mm. So the things that happen at work, at the office, or on your calls on Zoom, um, are kind of seen, cat. <laughs> yeah, seamlessly synthesized into a, a whole of your day. Mm. What and I, even your life. Yeah. Like it kind of synthesizes your whole life. Like you identify yourself as an object of the little girl and the teenager and your all past. the relationships and my parents. And it's kind of that co continuity. That's it. Mm. Continuity. So we're not waking up with amnesia and saying, who am I? Every day we have that kind of synthesis of everything kind of. I am the, the object that everything synthesizes around. Yes. And it makes it appear even though it's, it might not be that way, but it makes it appear as if yeah, there is that continuity of my thoughts, my life, my experiences. And that the ego is actually solid. You know, it's actually... Well, that's the ego function. Yeah. So, so it, the ego is, is creating its own, its own reality, in mm -hmm. a sense. Mm -hmm. Its own sense of itself. Mm-hmm. That's why uh, in Eastern philosophy, they call that the ego maker or, or one of the, the functions, eye the eye maker, which is I am the one that is experiencing all these things. Mm. But in, in spiritual practices, the whole idea is that you're not the eye, yes. you're not that eye. Mm -hmm. And so that's where some of the material spiritualism uh spiritual materialism plays in because we identify when we're doing spiritual work we're identifying with the i as we do the spiritual like i am spiritual i am good i am yeah. this so you know the whole goal of what young would say individuation is is to realize you're not the i realize individuate from that conditioning but not get mm -hmm. rid of the ego but understand its nature so then we can see who we really are uh, but there's defenses that the ego has to stop that from happening, and those defenses will play out. Uh, the ego will use spiritual, our spiritual knowledge and our spiritual uh, techniques and meditations as defenses from actually individuating. Yeah, so let's think about that. So why would the ego need these powerful defense mechanisms? Now, from the point of view of clinical psychology, it, because Freud and Jung and Adler and all those guys, they, they were interested in helping people with mental health problems. Mm -hmm. So the, they were their perception was very skewed towards people with mental health problems, mm -hmm. not the ordinary person, not the person that is stable and well-adjusted. So in our coaching model, we try to look at these defense mechanisms as as normal mm -hmm. right because we all have them so mm -hmm. if everybody has them and everybody uses them and we see that the ego is protecting these functions these this reality testing function this impulse control function this the emotional regular yeah exactly so it, it the defenses are the, merely there to keep these functions in place i would say the synthesis is the most powerful function that the ego is protecting because like uh, anyone who's had uh, in, gone through individuation and faced their shadow, it's they go through this process of who am I? The synthesis kind of loosens up. And y it really is a, a little bit of a confusion at first because you don't know everything you thought you were isn't you. So it's like breaking that kind of spell that you're under that I think I'm this person. I think I have this limitation. I think I'm separate from everyone. I think I'm, mm. you know... A, a, all the things that we identify as us and it kind of breaks that synthesis wouldn't you say yeah. and so anna freud came up with the ego defenses uh with her her dad and um and so i love these to know these because we don't even realize that we're using those and we and the ego will use those defenses and wrap them around a pretty little spiritual lesson <laughs> like my favorite one is everything happens for a reason mm. everything happens for a reason and so the universe has a plan or god has a plan and then we don't really question anything and the ego's like okay we're, we're we we went through that hurdle we don't have to look at that and so it's that kind of denial in a way uh yeah. suppression 
rationalization. Rationalization. Um, another one is uh, the humor. Uh, I know for me, our family, very funny. <laughs> we use humor a lot to deflect or to tease. So we mm. say the opposite of how we feel. So um, I don't know how we do this with humor, but it, with spirituality, I don't know how would you say that shows up. Um, well, we, in general, humans use joking uh, as a defense mechanism, right? To to express something uncomfortable mm-hmm. and anxiety, something like that. So it happens in in many different ways. Uh, there's a there's a guy on uh, YouTube that does these funny new age videos, right? That mm. that's kind of a humorous uh, diffusing of the anxiety he might have around being a real spiritual leader or, mm-hmm. or uh, a person. Yeah, it's almost like shameful to be spiritual, so I'm going to make fun of it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, ah. so somebody, but the defense mechanisms, and if they're absolutely normal and a good, uh, let's say, a good sign of a healthy ego, we, in doing spiritual practices, we want to see them as beneficial, not mm-hmm. as something to get rid of, mm-hmm. or not a sign of pathology, which is usually the mistake people make. They think because my mind is using a defense mechanism. That means there's something wrong with me. I had a trauma or I'm wounded. And yes. It's my brokenness. That's right. Um, it's actually, like you said, a sign of a healthy mind. Yes. Uh, the healthy mind will have defenses. And the stronger the defense, the more powerful, like I always say, you're clo- the more defensive you get, it's you're really on the edge of, uh, of transformation. But if you're a coach and you have clients, if your client is highly defensive, it almost is that they have to you have to work around that to loosen them up and they 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 are inhibiting their own growth by it, it becoming too much of an extreme where they're shutting down and and pushing things away uh, i think the main defense that a lot of people especially spiritual and for me and my spiritual work was taking responsibility mm. that it's not my fault it must be some past life that did this to me or it's not my fault that person is negative and i'm good and so you know not taking any responsibility or what i saw was the opposite too is that over taking everything is blaming yourself oh, right. i'm so bad and i need to be spiritual <laughs> and i'm a terrible person and mm. and like that harsh blaming as well and so that's a kind of what we fall into those traps and that kind of blaming as well can keep the the ego going yes let's make her feel like you know like wallow in this for a while and it's really not it, it feels like why would it do that to make you feel better but it the ego knows that it's a distraction and it'll keep you from doing the work that you need to do so yeah. it really is about redirecting you from that individuation so it's not and it comes in forms that don't feel comfortable sometimes, but it's it's saying this is better than you individuating. Right. So if we, let's say we uh, couch it in the context of, uh, in general, all spiritual practices are leading us towards transcending our ego. Yes. Right. Not getting rid of it, not destroying it. Like some people say, we want to, you know, they want to obliterate the ego (laughs) or kill it or something (laughs) like that. Crush it. (laughs) Yeah. We don't really want to do that because, again, all these functions that it's doing for us are really useful and Mm. necessary. But in, in, let's say, in walking a spiritual path, if the the aim is to do, to transcend the ego, but you don't understand that the ego has all these functions and defense mechanisms that are going to resist, that's when people fall into the trap of spiritual materialism, because like uh, the 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 Buddhist teacher said. The ego is always waiting and mm. observing and watching, and then it will use whatever you're bringing into your life and hijack it for its own purposes again, to to keep itself in power essentially. Mm. And so, if it can sneak sneakily, 
uh, use spiritual terms like so it makes you believe you're actually doing something and growing and becoming more spiritual but it's like ooh, like it's almost like a undercover you don't even know uh that it's doing that it could use those those terms and so i think a lot of people think well if i have a desire for spiritual enlightenment to transcend the ego to have this other level of experience that that pure will is all we need mm. and we have this conscious desire but we don't realize that the ego has another a whole other agenda and that is to keep you in this ego the the synthesis of itself and so it's threatened by the spiritual work so it'll use it um, in a way. Well, you know how people are. They'll use your own words to manipulate you. You've seen this happen in relationships. They'll use what you you teach. Like I, I, don't, I can't think of an example, but someone who you know the friend knows you're into something, and they'll be like, "Well, is that very Buddhist of you?" You know, they'll use your your what you're you're studying for that. So I have to ask you a question. Uh, you also talk about sublimation. Can you explain that a little bit? Uh, yeah, so uh, like we were talking about denial and rationalization and um, uh, projection, all those defense mechanisms um, will work against us if we don't understand them and we don't know how to work with them. Uh, sublimation then is one of the key elements in that spiritual bypassing. Mm where we want to become spiritual, but we haven't uh, dealt with the ego in, in the proper way, mm -hmm. then the ego just hijacks it and takes it for its own. And we think we're acting spiritually or being spiritual, but it's really just at the surface level. Mm. So sublimation is a very sophisticated defense mechanism that the ego has. So it goes like this. Dancing is considered a sublimation activity of the sexual desire. Mm. So, as human beings, we have this sexual attraction towards each other, towards opposite sex. Or same sex. Yes, whatever the preference is. But we don't go around kind of just expressing that socially because it's considered socially inappropriate, mm -hmm. right? There, there has to be these rules of engagement and proper ways of addressing it. Mm -hmm. So Freud figured out that, there, that we do that by finding socially acceptable ways of doing it, of expressing that need to be close to each other mm. through dancing. Mm. So there you see sublimation in action, that by dancing, Oh, we get to be Removing close to each other. Urge, you know, yeah, we're we're satisfying and scratching that that uh, sexual desire itch, but we're doing it in a socially acceptable way. Mm. And he says that's that's how the ego works essentially. So, can you give an example of that for spirituality? Uh, yes. spiritual work. Yeah. So, in in spiritual work, because the aim of a real spiritual discipline is to transcend the ego. Mm -hmm. The ego is aware of that, and it's observing you. So it's going to find a way to channel that into uh, a socially, socially acceptable behavior that will essentially lead back to keeping you in the same place, meaning keeping you an ego. So kind of a, developing a spiritual persona? Developing a spiritual persona, or doing something but not really doing the internal work mm. involved in it so i i and let me just ask this question um so would it be that i think maybe i mean this is just coming to my mind so <laughs> feel free to disagree with me but isn't forgiveness sort of a sublimation of a spiritual like i i'm angry at you but i'm going to be I'm going to forgive you, and it's almost like a way to deal with that anger. Like it's a way for me to say, I'm angry at you, you wronged me, but in a very light, spiritual, loving way. It's and almost passive-aggressive, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like I uh, always, I, that's why I don't, you know, think forgiveness is really transformational. I mean, it may be a good first step, but it's not really freeing you mm. because you're really just still saying the other person did you wrong, and you're just still hanging on to... 
I forgive you. Like, I'm the bigger person. You hurt me, but I'm going to forgive you. And so the ego can do that. And you might not think that you're doing it. Like, you might think, this is the most spiritual thing, and I'm letting it go. But the ego's kind of like, ooh, she's still hooked in. She's still um, making that dual uh, assumption that they're, they did me wrong, and I'm right. Yeah. Would well, that be it? or Yeah, something like that. Because mm-hmm. you see that real spiritual disciplines require... Uh, dedication, focus, sacrifice, mm. discipline. And the ego is going to resist that. Mm. Why? Because, the remember, the primary objective is to transcend the ego. Mm. So the ego wants to keep you safe. Its, its primary function is to keep you safe and in your comfort zone. So it's going to try to find a way to lead you back to ego functions. Mm. So, for example, people, you always talk about people that dig shallow holes and they're looking for a spiritual solution. But when things start getting uncomfortable, they're like, yeah. ah, I don't really like Buddhism anymore. I think I'm going to try uh, yoga. I'm going to do this this practice. Or maybe I'm going to do the law of attraction and I'm just going to do something else because when it's ready to hit uh, something serious, it's almost uncomfortable and I don't want to do it anymore. That's right. And and this is where it goes back to that lesson that Trungpa Rinpoche was saying, that anybody that undergoes a spiritual practice is going to have to face these things. And so this isn't about the practice itself or the teachings itself. It's that the ego, it's the person's ego is hijacking That's that system. Right. That's right. And so you do see not not just those people out there. You see all of us. Yeah, I anyone totally, yeah. anyone that is foolish enough <laughs> or courageous enough to undergo a spiritual discipline will have to face these challenges of working with the ego because and, everyone has an ego and everyone has these defense mechanisms in place. Before I met you, my very first coach, I was into all this different stuff like energy work. And, you know, I was doing hypnotherapy at the time and um, doing, um, you know, meditations and retreats and stuff. And uh, when she was teaching me like the non-dual idea, and she, I said, oh, and, and we, you know, we were having this conversation. And she said, oh, yeah, they don't teach you. They only teach you the good news and that popular self-help. They don't teach you like this stuff you really need to face to change. And it really is that because the ego, we're all have egos. And so the ego find a way to infiltrate even the most beautiful practices to for its own gain and to mislead you into thinking you're really making progress. And that's why I think a lot of times we do think we've done a lot of work, but we feel like we haven't really gone (laughs) far because the ego's just rearranging the furniture. It's just making you kind of go through the motions, but then hitting that defense, but not going through it, not getting to the other side of it. Well, let's talk about some of the ways it plays out, and then we can connect it better to the psychology of it. So... You have a gift, maybe you're clairvoyant, maybe you have uh, precognitive dreams, maybe you've experienced a mystical experience in the forest or in a temple, uh, somewhere in your life, Mm -hmm. and the ego says, look at what you've done, or look what you've experienced, you must be enlightened already. Yeah. You're so special. You're special. You don't have to do the hard work. You don't mm-hmm. have to do that sacrifice of disciplining your mind and really going through this tough process. Because you can see things that other people can't see. And so That's we right. confuse that uh, that those gifts that we have, spirit, what we would call spiritual gifts, to we've done our work with the ego. Yeah. <laughs> because the person who has that clairvoyance still has an ego. And so I always, when I was younger, I used to go to psychics all the time. But then I realized, wait a minute, their ego is is filtering through that, whatever they're telling me. So Mm -hmm. most of it, and anyone will tell you that, that you're not getting a pure, pure, you know, interpretation through someone else. And the best person to really hone that skill is with yourself. But also, I think that we, um, we expect a lot from, I mean, for someone who is, clairvoyant we almost feel like if you have that gift that you have to act so morally perfect all the Mm -hmm. time you know so it works that way too where you think i can't be angry or i can't keep boundaries because i am this 
you know, I have this spiritual, you know, experience and I'm this gift to the world and um, and then people have higher expectations of you and you can't be human, you can't be selfish, you can't be uh, sexual or whatever it is. And then other people, and you know, project that onto you as well, that you... They think they either you believe you're better, that are more evolved, or everyone else thinks you are, and puts you to a higher, um, a higher um, kind of a pedestal because you're more because you can see you have a talent that I don't have. Yeah, yeah. And so it works both ways. And so uh, th- what we really want to do is we want to uh, give those people a break. Uh, and then also, if you are that person, to give yourself a break and to really work on the human element of yourself and do this, you still have to do your shadow work and all those other things. It's just because you have that gift, just like an artist yeah. or a musician has different gifts. It doesn't mean they fully enlay and that everyone has an ego. That's it. Uh, the main message is that because we have individual gifts, it doesn't mean we're exempt from the discipline that's required for spiritual work. Yes. We're all going to have to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is, and, and this I fell into very early on. Me too. When I heard about meditation, I thought, okay, here's a way to gain this state of mind where I'll be exempt from all the pain in the world. Mm-hmm. I'll be peaceful. I'll be in nirvana i'll be Mm -hmm. blissful escape and i won't have to deal with my spiritual pain Mm -hmm. that is the ego right there leading you on the wrong path hijacking a spiritual practice to keep you pretty much in that same ego mind of stay in your comfort zone find a way to avoid the difficult work of spiritual practice and just meditate. Well, Ram Das said um, he. Uh, he I don't, yeah, he, I don't know. he he was it him that said he spent twenty six years meditating on his delusions, and he was just like his like with mm. his ego for twenty years or something, and then yeah. he finally realized what what the heck am I doing? You know, we could meditate for twenty years on our ego mind, and and it'll just make us believe that we are getting somewhere. And yeah. so we have to use it. And then I used to use it as an escape. So I would go go to my little meditation. I'd put candles and oh, have my little routine. And then I'd go back into the world and just be me again. It was there was no integration of applying that meditation and that meditative practice in my life until I got older. But it was that kind of escape. Well, you see people selling meditation and mindfulness as stress reduction. That's a classic example of ego function. Mm. And know? it does help with stress, but it can't be the only goal. Well, the, yeah, that's you're better off sitting by a pool or just sitting on a couch and relaxing because those things are really meant for relaxation. Meditation is was designed to realize the self, mm. a very different practice, very different aim and different goal. Well, even yoga, a lot of people, they go to yoga class, and yoga was actually a very spirit, uh, intense spiritual tradition, and uh, people use it, it now still is. for... Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was designed that way thousands of years ago, and then now it's a workout routine, and it's you take that <laughs> last three minutes of the practice to meditate and you think oh i feel better i meditated today and so the ego will be make you believe that you're actually be, you know using that work for it, it get it, it, further evolution and you're really just yes. using it for to yeah. stay comfortable yeah we're not pointing fingers we're no. saying we've we're, all done we're this. all susceptible yes. to this and yes. we've all done it in one form or another and again that it's a natural part of a spiritual tradition or practice Mm -hmm. because you're you're having to deal with this ego and so we really it's not that any of these practices are bad or even if we use them but the ego uses them it's like when we realize it then we can actually make a change Uh, if we don't realize we're using them in that way they end up becoming uh, a distraction from our growth and from our really the the goal of life is to realize the self Another one is the, uh, chasing these fads or techniques. Mm-hmm. What's the latest fad? What's the latest technique? What's the what? 
what is it that everyone's doing now so I can uh, jump in mm-hmm. and be on the bandwagon and feel spiritual. Mm-hmm. The ego loves to do this, mm-hmm. this type of chasing after the fad. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it knows, first of all, it's the, the, fad, the fad, the latest technique and thing is not going to require you to do real transformative work. Mm-hmm. And so the ego says, yeah, let's go for it. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's go for this. It likes to distract you. Yes. And again, like we talked about digging shallow holes, and when things things get too like on the edge of something, ooh, let's look at that shiny object. Let's try that. You know, Mary did this workshop, and she you know manifested you know a new man. So let's all do that workshop, and and then it becomes this almost well, we're using it to chase material things. A lot of times, the ego will say, "Ooh, if you do this, then you can make money, and then you can." you know um find a man and then you can do this and then um and you know we had you know we taught our work you know we we would our marketing uh we used to have a program called engaged in a year and it fed that ego desire but then when people got in it they were like oh this isn't about finding love this is about finding myself and it's kind of like we almost had to use that that um that name to get people to even step in because the world the ego is so powerful and it wants to chase those things so the um the these uh, techniques are really there to like the next best thing to get us away from the going deep with anything well the we see this a lot that uh, the emphasis is on the technique people mm-hmm. think the technique is going to give me the breakthrough the spiritual enlightenment but techniques are just like prayer just like meditation you can use them to desire more material wealth and all that stuff instead of uh, real spiritual enlightenment so the technique itself is not a spiritual practice Mm -hmm. the spiritual practice has to come from like a deeper philosophical understanding of how is that technique going to be applied and how is it going to help me on my journey of transformation I remember when I was a hypnotherapist, I would work with people and I felt like I was just fixing symptoms. And I remember thinking, like, where am I taking these people? Where are they going? I need a system to to give them somewhere to go. Uh, it's not just about, uh, you know, putting Band-Aids on what's dysfunctional in their life or their anxiety or uh, a habit they have. Um, I started really, that's why I got into coaching, because I wanted to work with people who wanted to take a journey versus mm-hmm. just kind of work on, you know, manifesting well, and all that stuff, which is fine. I mean, it, that's part of the process of becoming powerful in the world is you can create your life. You can think positive and hold your thoughts and they do create and consciousness and all those things. But if you're doing it just for the goodies, mm-hmm. and that's what we're going to get into next, the law of attraction. Speaking of doing mm. it for the goodies. Yeah, that movie, <laughs> The Secret, uh, 20 years ago that came out, Yeah, almost. And and again, all of us kind of uh, fell into or have fallen into uh, this idea somewhere along the path. Mm-hmm. To some extent. I know for me, another. yeah. I was, that's all I taught. I mean, I wrote a, Let Love In was about the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, the thoughts your thoughts do create your life but i for me my personal experience was if i didn't have the things that i wanted to create i felt like i wasn't as spiritual and i this kind of beating myself up of i'm not enlightened enough yet if i was more enlightened i my i would have more business or if i was enlightened enough i'd have a relationship and i just felt like there was something broken in me and that if i just i needed to figure out how to use these tools and how to clear my mind and then i ended up it ended up being more of a way to beat myself up about it than actually empowering me and then every once in a while something accidental would show up and i'd be like "Ooh, this is great and then it was still that attachment and that ego loves to attach itself to the external as a way to give yourself worth and value so then we end up again thinking if i manifest things i must be enlightened and powerful and i'm attached to this idea that i have this power and then it's very um, tempting to the ego gets uh, inflated with that idea yeah the this is probably the easiest one because the ego 
promises an easy way to do spirituality yeah i used to think that um if i can manifest uh you know being on oprah and then i would make million dollars in books and then everything would be great i wouldn't have to really work hard to build a business or hire people or have like a business plan i could just have that like overnight success we all want that but now 17 years later in business i realized that every hurdle i i faced if i got a quick fix quick manifestation i would have missed out on the growth and so that's really and the ego doesn't like that the ego doesn't want to face itself it wants to everything to be easy so if you're finding that temptation that you want it easy you want that quick fix you want that overnight success your ego has hijacked you are even overnight enlightenment too instant and like instant karma you know <laughs> i want overnight you know just take a weekend and then my life is perfect no that's not how growth works it, it ha- happens in cycles and and stages and mm-hmm. different levels yes and i have to say uh, in a lot of therapy models uh, the aim really it might be implied meaning they don't tell you this or they, or they they might not even know this directly but the aim is to strengthen the ego mm-hmm. in a lot of therapy models yes and so they they're they're kind of as far as spirituality goes they're holding you back in a sense because they're helping you reinforce and strengthen those ego functions which right? some people need if they if they, some people they need can't that. function yes but it, if if the person mistakes that as, oh, I'm growing spiritually because I have these insights into my ego functions. And and uh, comp- more confident and yes. feeling uh, better about myself. And I'm thinking positive. Mm-hmm. Then I must be spirit- more spiritual. Or I have grown and I'm enlightened. Yes. Well, that, that positive thinking, again, one of the first uh, self-help books I read was The Power of Positive Thinking. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. It was mm. you know, life-changing for yeah. me because my mindset was so negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's if we just stay there, if we stay at that level, that's, a, again, the ego functioning. You know, that it's that judgment piece. Well, I see so many people tell me, and I keep having to reinforce this, is that the ego has a natural negative bias. And so we're wor- basically working against the tide of this huge force of negativity and criticalness of the ego and a lot of people feel uh fearful Mm -hmm. and i know i did um when i was thinking negative and i'd say oh i gotta get out of this and so we want to escape the mind like we want to fix the mind we want to fix the mind we got to be positive we got to be positive and um and then we end up beating ourselves up because we're not as positive as you know this other person who is has the persona of everything's great and i'm wonderful meanwhile that person's suppressing probably a lot of her pain and anxiety Mm -hmm. but we look at other people and we think well everyone else is so positive i'm there's something wrong with me and then we begin to pathologize our own negative thinking and not seeing it as oh that's just the ego and the ego's natural um natural state is to kind of critical look at things critically and and try to fix things right so um and then we we end up also thinking we want to avoid negative people you know we want to stay in our positive little bubble and then what happens is that people um don't uh don't examine the negative don't examine the dark side the shadow of ourselves and we want to kind of prop up and be which isn't bad i mean we do want to hang out with positive people but then if we're finding that we're judging the people that are negative we're not really going anywhere we're just kind of hiding hiding that part of ourselves from ourselves yes because if we're not getting rid of the ego mm-hmm. right we're, we're not trying to destroy it. we're not trying to get rid of it we're let's say in spiritual work it's going to come in handy all these functions are mm-hmm. really going to be handy but we first have to do the hard part the shadow work the mm. the transformational piece the real discipline of spiritual practice that way then these functions become useful to us mm. and then they operate on those like like the buddha says your thoughts create your life mm. yes after you practice your spiritual discipline mm-hmm. not just when you're in ego because when you're in ego 
the ego again will hijack that positive thinking that affirmation use affirmations and all this stuff to to simply keep you in that comfort ego state and we're not dissing any of those things it's just we're saying the ego will hijack it and so it 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 will use anything you learn uh and that's uh, spiritual or not anything you learn to keep you stuck uh even like money and you know Mm -hmm. desires for money and wealth all those things the ego will use those things too to keep you stuck i guess the rule of thumb is if it feels uh if you if you find yourself wanting ease seeking the lover of ease uh things to not be so hard and that you know kind of like resisting any conflict in your life and you want everything to be smooth and there's that resistance that's the ego the ego's going "Ooh, this is uncomfortable i don't like this and we see this a lot with our programs some people will 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 sign up and then they'll have this kind of like oh did i do the right thing and that's the ego it's it's resisting it's going no don't go to open that door because you're, i'm going to change and uh and we always tell people that that's a natural function of the ego and having a strong ego helps you go through the individuation process because you can't really uh have individuate from it if there's not a strong enough opposing force so think about a in martial arts they say the best way to become a master is have a good opponent right and so we want to use it as not like kind of like a it's kind of the push and pull that stretches us that helps us grow and to become who we really are yeah that's a good point uh if you see it as okay the ego is a natural part of the psyche and it has these uh defense mechanisms for a purpose Mm -hmm. they're not just there to keep us stuck in Mm -hmm. essence they're there to make sure that we're ready to transcend it Mm -hmm. in other words that we're ready to do the hard work and that we've done our homework and that we're serious about this process and then it lets us through Mm. so it says if you're not ready these defense mechanisms they'll stop you yeah they'll stop you throw you back to ego state where you can then you know come back when you're ready in essence well you know i think one of the biggest things that um will change for people and why we train coaches is that i was spinning for 10 years going to to digging shallow holes because i didn't have any accountability and as soon as i hired my first coach it was very like she was like made me look at things i didn't know i should look at and (laughs) see things differently and it was it was like a Mm. uh, someone else outside of my own mind because the ego is a terrible life coach i'm telling you your (laughs) ego is the most awful life coach in the world it will tell you oh you don't have to do it right now and uh that you know blame the other person or blame the course you took that it it didn't work for you and it'll just move on but to have someone a a really good coach who understands the unconscious understands the ego will help you uh move through it like they it's like you need that extra help to get through any type of spiritual tradition you need someone a mentor to help you go through it if you rely on yourself and your own rationalization uh justifications uh it's not the right time maybe next year um uh, i don't know or everything's fine that the kind of minimization it's not so bad um you know and then what typically happens in personal development and spiritual development is that when it only they only come to us or to people or coaches when things get really bad they wait until it's almost they they really have to get out either they get laid off from a job they um <laughs> looking at me they have a breakup uh they're going through a divorce something happens and they just don't know how to cope and they finally they, they have to wait mm-hmm. until almost like there's their ego's not serving them anymore and i need something and um and we don't want to do that we want to proactively have coaching in our life and it's not to fix symptoms coaching is to take us to the next level in our life um and i think the last part of this spiritual uh path by the pitfalls is what i see and what i've experienced in my own spiritual journey is this kind of um, medicalization of spiritual work Mm. Um, like the medicalization of the soul that um it was almost like my soul needed therapy (laughs) like oh your soul had these past 
parents that were terrible to you and it's almost like taking what a therapist would do in your personal life that you are aware of and then applying it to soul work and it kind of um like again like something's broken about the soul there's you know damage and and kind of over medicalizing the spiritual process yeah. that there's something broken about you and that you have to fix that before you can become enlightened and uh Vedic knowledge says exactly the opposite, that the the true self, the soul, is indestructible. Mm-hmm. It can't be hurt in any way. Mm. And so to think of it as broken or needing uh, kind of attention. Or having wounds. or Yeah, having wounds or, or trauma. Uh, it's a total misconception. Uh, again, very, uh, we can see the ego's uh, fingerprints all over this. <laughs> And for me, it was like, oh, like I have to go, like I went to one person one time and she said, well, you have like four lifetimes that you have all this open wounds that I have to fix. And it was just like, am I ever going to be whole enough to find love? And and it was very uh, um, discouraging to to feel that. And um, and so, you know, we really want to, that's why we wanted to do this, uh, this whole series on the different spiritual traditions. But I think this is probably the most important is that materialism, because if you don't know, it'll it'll feel like okay, it'll feel right, and it just you don't even realize that you're in it. And I know for me, that's well, both of us we've had that experience of being yeah. caught up in it. Well, and I've had a very powerful ego, <laughs> but again, the the ego is is a great servant, mm-hmm. but a very poor master. Mm-hmm. If you allow it to run your life. It, it keeps you in a very limited survival pattern. And you believe what it tells you because you're hearing it in your mind and, and you, you know you're a rational person. So you think, well, my mind is telling me that I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't mm-hmm. do that or I should hold back or I shouldn't speak up. And we believe it or I'm not good enough or I'm, uh, you know, no one's ever going to marry me. You know, all those ideas or I'm never going to be successful um, we start to believe what we we're, we're thinking because mm. we're our own inner authority. Like we 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 think this ego has some kind of knowledge, and it, because it's rational and it comes in coherent thought, that we think, well, it makes sense and it fits the the narrative fits our situation, so it matches. Like you said, um, that kind of reality testing, and it's like, well, my mind is saying I'm never going to be successful. Well, if I look at my life, yeah, I'm I'm in debt. I have, you know, um, no one's buying my services. I'm struggling making my business run. Well, that's reality, and so your ego's like check, uh, and then you believe it, and then you're caught up in that mm-hmm. ego thinking. Yes, but as a servant, the ego then is a tremendous asset to our life Mm -hmm. because then we're able to direct these functions these incredible functions that it has in a creative way because it helps us see that we're not when we realize we're not the ego so when the reality testing says well i'm looking uh at my uh, my dating life and there's no one showing up so i must be alone forever we can now bring in the higher divine intellect this higher part of our conscious mind that looks at the ego and says oh wait no that's just the ego and then then we we say "Ooh, okay it, it helps us be more self-aware and self-aware of those thought patterns that we believe are true and we start to break kind of wake up wake ourselves up from the <laughs> the the sleepwalking the ego makes us do but yeah this is such an important thing and i i really feel that um uh the most important thing is that the ego is something that we need to be strong, but we also, our consciousness needs to be stronger and our, our practice. And that's why we need a, a practice, a regular practice, daily practice. We need a system that's not just a technique. We need a, a coach or a mentor, a guide to help us through um, that self-enlightenment, uh, uh, or as Jung would call, and we teach individuation. We're individuating from the ego. We're not getting rid of it, but we're saying, hey, why don't you sit on the side here while I do my work? And thank you for sharing, But and you can keep regulating my functions, but I'm going to keep moving forward. And so it's a partnership and less of a, like a master. And you're, the, the divine mind becomes the master. That's a good way to see it. Yeah.
because yeah. we need those functions for a lot of different reasons to keep alive and it manages you know this idea that this this body needs to survive and um it's a beautiful thing yeah so next time uh, we're going to be talking about christian mysticism Ooh. and how it's played into uh the coaching models mm -hmm. great well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. It's been, uh, wow, it's an hour. That was a juicy topic. Uh, feel free to watch the replay, and we'll see you next Friday for our next edition of Soul Sessions, Sessions. with Creative Mind. Thanks for watching. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Soul Sessions with Creative Mind. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any episode. And also join us on Facebook in our live interactive community, Young in Life Coaching with Creative Mind University. Have a great and wonderful day and we'll see you next week.